ready to rise above loud, angry headlines, longing for an alternative to the world's fighting and fear-mongering? Christianity Today magazine offers a trustworthy, faithful perspective on stories that matter to you, from the church next door to movements and ministries all around the world. Subscribe to CT for full access to in-depth reporting, insightful commentary, and redemptive storytelling, both online and in print. A subscription to CT also includes seasonal devotionals, special issues, and exclusive content. Visit orderct.com today or click the link in the show notes to get started and join a growing community of thoughtful evangelical Christians who value different news that makes a difference. That's orderct.com to subscribe today. This episode is brought to you in part by Richmond Graduate University. The field of mental health counseling is growing rapidly. Richmond Graduate University can equip you to become a licensed professional counselor, integrating your faith into your clinical practice. Programs are offered in Atlanta, Chattanooga, and online. Apply today at richmond.edu. The Russell Moore Show. I am Ashley Hales, the producer of The Russell Moore Show, and we are bringing you a question and answer episode with Dr. Russell Moore. Part of what our listeners love about these podcasts and about Dr. Moore's newsletters is his clear-eyed vision, not just for how to live faithfully in this day and age, as well as helping us sort through ethical quandaries, but also for his biblical knowledge and exegesis. So this episode, we're gonna be diving into some of the challenging parts of belief as a Christian and how we think and interpret the Bible. So are you ready to go, Russell? I don't know because uh, I don't <laughs> look at these questions ahead of time. So I don't know if I'm ready to go. <laughs> I, was, well, I was just doing an ordination council uh, uh -huh. for a young uh, minister where I was the lead questuner. Uh, and so maybe this is revenge. Uh, oh, on me for go. some of the yeah. questions I asked. We'll see. <laughs> those are intense. My husband went through <laughs> one of those and all the flashcards and remembering everything is, is quite impressive. So our first question is more of a theological question, but um, someone asks, Kate, can you just talk more about evidence for the resurrection? I would love to hear more about the biblical evidence as well as any resources you know of that are particularly helpful in this area. So maybe the historical resurrection and how we begin to think about that. Yeah, well, I, I, I think um, the probably the greatest little uh, response to that question I ever heard was yeah. from the apologist uh, Peter Kraft, who said, mm -hmm. we know the resurrection happened because we saw it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then he, he, re, he unpacked that in terms of who we are uh, right. as uh, the Church of Jesus Christ. And so the, um, the women at the garden 
uh, are part of the we. Uh, mm-hmm. The apostles in the five hundred are are part of the we, and I think that that's I think that's really true. I mean, one of the things that we that you know, even if you have never seen a Bible, is that the figure of Jesus of Nazareth uh, existed. I mean, there are there are some cranks who would deny that Jesus ever existed, mm-hmm. but even mm-hmm. hardcore atheists acknowledge, yes, this, this figure existed. This figure was uh, crucified by Rome. Mm-hmm. What we also know is that this group of uh, followers of his uh, who were more than willing to flee and to return to their own lives uh, claimed to have encountered him and there were then willing uh, mm-hmm. to to go even to the point of death, exile, torture, uh, everything else, uh, affirming to the very end, Jesus mm-hmm. of Nazareth has been raised from the dead. And I, I think that one of the things that you'll notice about in the New Testament accounts, uh, when the Apostle Paul, uh, for instance, will refer to uh, the resurrection, he he is referring to something that is seen by people who are alive uh, now at the time of the writing. Uh, you will have often in the gospels uh, recounting of specific people who could be gone to and talked to and their, their family members who had uh, seen these things. The evidence is, is really, really uh, strong for that. I, I think... Along with that, though, if you just look at what has happened, that apostolic witness that built uh, up the church, um, if you look at the alternative ways of explaining what happened, Mm -hmm. none of them, I think, are even uh, intellectually uh, satisfying at all. Uh, Some sort of a conspiracy uh, of uh, the disciples to hide a body and to and to claim that Jesus was raised from the dead. I mean that 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 might make sense if what Peter is thinking to himself is um, I get to be Pope and uh, <laughs> you know Saint Peter's Cathedral is going to be great. That's not what they were. That's not right. what they were uh, doing. Um, and so it's they're not intellectually satisfying, but also because. I used to make fun of the um, gospel song that we would sing all the time, uh, Gaither song. Uh, you ask me how I know he lives. He lives mm-hmm. within my heart because mm-hmm. I would say, ah, this is basically Bultmanianism. You know, mm-hmm. Jesus uh, Jesus uh, continues to live in the hearts of his uh, followers, which is not historic biblical Christianity. And that's true if that's all that you're talking about. But Mm -hmm. I do think that there is this reality of if you notice what happens in the gospels when Jesus calls people, uh, never do you have this sense of Jesus lays out, okay, here's who I am. Here's what I'm doing. Here's what I'm asking of you. Uh, Instead, he speaks to them and says, come and see. Mm-hmm. And he is able to, I think of with the woman at the well, uh, and this is the case with Nathaniel too mm-hmm. in, in uh, the opening of John. He is able to speak to them in ways that know them. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is a sense of 
even if I don't know how to explain all of this, I know you. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the way that the word uh, continues to to work. I mean, Paul says there's um, that that what happens with the preaching of the word is that there is a let there be light uh, shining the glory of Christ. There is a glory that is present there and a calling that is present there. So even though I think that there are uh, you know, we could go for weeks talking about evidences for the the truthfulness of uh, the resurrection, the truthfulness of the scriptures. I think there's, I think even somebody who doesn't know how to explain all of those uh, right. intellectual questions uh, still has adequate reason to believe mm-hmm. I don't know everything there is to know about this person, but I'm compelled by him. And mm-hmm. that means I'm going to believe what it is that he tells me. And mm-hmm. it, it makes sense of the world around me in a way that, that nothing else does. Yeah, yeah. Um, and if you think of any specific books or things that you'd like to include in the show notes, just let me know and we'll make well, sure that you, those are in there. You know, that this is, uh, for, for somebody, this is not something that I would recommend to uh, anybody uh, and so don't go and get this and then say, oh, in order to understand the resurrection, I have to read these 900 pages. Uh, not saying that, but for, for those who uh, really are uh, academically uh, minded, N.T. Wright's book on the resurrection mm-hmm. of the Son of God mm-hmm. is, I think, the best thing in the uh, modern era written about the resurrection mm-hmm. um, yeah. in in every direction. And so I would... I would commend that. I almost wish there was there was a, a kind of a popularized distillation right. of that. Maybe there is, but I, I can't think of it. Um, right. And then there also, and I have not, uh, I have not read this yet. Or if I have, I read it in a galley a long time ago, so I, I haven't read it yet. But I I know the author's work. And uh, Rebecca McLaughlin has mm-hmm, a mm-hmm. little book um, called um, "Is Easter Credible?" I think mm-hmm. is the name of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so that's a very, very small uh, yeah. uh, book that could be read r- really quickly. If somebody would rather look at that. Yeah, yeah. That's those are great. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. With summer coming up, I'm already dreading not only the traffic on the roads, but also the increased cost of groceries and the fact that my children eat all day long. You know, we all have stressors. Some are big and some are small, like an increased grocery bill. But therapy is a safe place to actually get these stressors off your chest and to figure out how you can actually work through them. There are many benefits to therapy for people from all walks of life. It's helpful to learn positive coping skills so you don't freak out about that grocery bill and how to set boundaries. Therapy can empower you to be the best version of yourself and it isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's convenient, flexible, and entirely online. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Moore today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Moore.
Keeping with our theme of resurrection, a listener asks about two portions of scripture and how they relate. How they relate. So I'm going to go ahead and read these for us. One is Philippians 3, verse 10. I want to know Christ, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming mm-hmm. like him in death. And so how do how does that verse fit with this one from 2 Corinthians chapter 4? But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. So the question really comes to, how do we actually carry around the death of Jesus in our body? How does that work with this idea of resurrection? And what does it look like practically? Okay, uh, I think there are a number of parts to this. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think one of those parts being that a part of what happens when we, uh, when we come to faith in Christ is we are, to use the language Paul uses in Colossians, we're hidden in Christ and uh, our life is now the life of Christ. So we're 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 brought into His uh, storyline, both mm-hmm. in terms of the big sweep of things, which is why, uh, for instance, when um, when Paul writes in First Corinthians ten, uh, even even when he's writing to uh, a, a lot of the Gentiles, he says, "Our fathers were in uh, the desert." Uh, why? Because we, we're hidden in Christ. We belong to Christ. His story mm-hmm. is our story. His family is our family that all belongs to us. Mm-hmm. And also because uh, every one of us, we're living a life of taking up a cross and following him. Mm-hmm. And so that means that the sufferings that we experience uh, you're, you're not going to find any of those sufferings that are outside of the experience of Christ, uh, whether that is uh, battling against temptation, Hebrews chapter two, tempted in every way we are, yet without mm-hmm. sin, um, whether that is abandonment uh, by people, whether that is spiritual desolation in the face of, uh, in the face of uh, God, um, it, it, all, of these, uh, all of these aspects of uh, suffering Jesus has undergone and he has said, we, we follow in that path too. Not in the mm-hmm. same exact way, but it's, it's really similar to at the end of John, I'm always struck, John 21 is, is just one of the most amazing uh, sections of scripture for me. And when Jesus says to, uh, to Peter, when you were young, you would dress yourself and go wherever you wanted but there will come a day where others will carry you where you don't want to go, mm-hmm. signifying by what death he would die. Mm-hmm. And uh, Peter looks around and says to, to about John, well, what about him? And Jesus <laughs> yeah. says, that's none of your business. You, right. you yeah. follow me. And so part of what happens is that we, uh, we see the sufferings that come into this life as being themselves occasions of grace, that you're not going to be utterly destroyed by them. There, there is a God there with you in them. And, and 
part of the way that that happens is the same way that Jesus is looking toward his crucifixion and saying, nobody is taking my life. I lay it down and I have the authority to take it back up. So Jesus has this sense of I'm not at the whim of -hmm. some forces outside of my control. And the same is true for you. So ultimately, then where we end up is not with this kind of, um, oh, I'm blessed denial of suffering Uh or this understanding that somehow we we um, we live the Christian life without the cross. It's Mm -hmm. instead that we understand and know Romans 8, if you read the whole chapter, not just one part of it, there's groaning at uh, the the universe around us. There are uh, Mm -hmm. utterances sometimes too deep for words in prayer. We don't even know what to pray. But ultimately we're able to say, who can separate us from the love of God in Christ? Yeah. And so that, how does that work out practically uh, in your life? Here's, here's one way. Yeah. Um, almost no one, as a matter of fact, I can't think of anyone that if I say, when you look back on it, where are the times when God was most active in conforming you to Christ? I can't think of a single person who would point to a moment of triumph (laughs) or a moment of elation. Usually Usually in every case, they're looking back to a time in which at that moment, it felt like God was completely absent. For sure. And these are the times when people would say, it just seemed like God was gone. But they look back and they say, that's actually when God was doing uh, all of these things in right. my in my life. And so what what do you have happening? You have crucifixion. I'm dying that this this <laughs> yeah, earthly yeah. F- flesh it's dying. That's that's actually happening and coming out of that is the glory mm. and the power of the resurrection. And both mm. of those things are true at the same mm. time. Mm. Amen. Um, perhaps you could also help us think a little bit more generally about biblical interpretation. So, you know, when we feel like we're reading different parts of scripture and they're speaking maybe two sides of the same coin, but we're not really sure, you know, even if it appears contradictory, how do we begin to reconcile different portions of scripture? Kind of take us at a a 30,000 foot view, maybe. You you mean if if you're reading uh, a section of scripture that seems to contradict another section of scripture? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Well, the the first thing is to step back and say, often when scripture seems to be doing that, what it's actually doing is hitting two different problems from different directions. Right. Uh, So you can have... um, I think about all the time, uh, Tim Keller said uh, one time, quoting uh, Tremper Longman, if all we had was Ecclesiastes, (laughs) we would be really dark, cynical people. And if all we had was Proverbs, we would be uh, prosperity gospel uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> peoples. Mm-hmm. If you just do this, then yeah. life will go well. Or with just <laughs> Ecclesiastes, it would be, it doesn't really matter what you do, you're going to end up dead. 
Right. Now, the reality is <laughs> both those things are true. Yeah. And both, both of those <laughs> things are, are necessary in, in different ways. And both of those mm-hmm. things are necessary to know, but to be held in tension within the story itself. Mm-hmm. Um, and so sometimes though, there are, there are going to be things in scripture that you're going to say, I don't know how to understand this. That's okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I would say at that point, to say the main thing is I'm looking at this big cohesive story and sometimes I'm going to be confused in in particular places that it's that it's going. I would also say sometimes what you're looking at um, is not just that it's hitting different sides of an issue, but that it's speaking to um, different things um, mm-hmm. using. Uh, analogies, a way that we're able to understand things. So for instance, somebody can be really thrown when they hear God say to Saul, um, I'm removing the kingdom, uh, mm-hmm. or Samuel says, God's removing the kingdom uh, from you. And he will not He will not change his mind. He will not repent because he's not a man to repent. I say, well, I read Genesis and it says that God repents of ever having made man. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so how are both of those those things uh, the case? Well, the Bible is using uh, language to say to us, God is uh, changing his relationship to his creation, uh, acting in judgment in the, the flood account, mm-hmm. and that God is not, uh, God is not, changeable. He he carries out his purposes in the other account. So you, you look at the fullness of uh, scripture uh, in order to see the, to see the different parts and how they fit together. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. This episode is brought to you in part by Thomas Nelson, publisher of Nine Lives and Counting, a bounty hunter's journey to faith, hope, and redemption. Written by Dwayne Dog the Bounty Hunter Chapman. Nine Lives and Counting not only offers a fresh perspective on well-known life events, but also ventures into behind-the-scenes territory and backstories never shared publicly. Nine Lives and Counting is available everywhere audiobooks are sold. Visit thomasnelson.com audio to learn more. Well, we we also know that, of course, these topics aren't necessarily just individual, right? One person kind of wrestling through something or reading their Bibles, that they often, some of these challenges work themselves out in the context of relationships. So Mm -hmm. we have kind of two questions along those ends. And one, one young listener writes about how do theological differences factor into the decision to marry a person you're dating? So if, for instance, two people are in a loving and healthy relationship, they desire to get married, but they disagree about secondary theological issues, should they reconsider? Um, She, or I think, I'm sorry, I think it's a man who was writing in about this, but he was thinking about different opinions on issues such as church government or gender and ministry or credo or pedo baptism. Can a marriage thrive if there are different convictions about important theological issues? Well, I... I remember, oh, it's been so many years ago, um, but there was a, I believe he was Presbyterian. He was some sort of, uh, some sort of 
really uh, systematically Calvinistic uh-huh. person um, who was wrestling with whether or not to marry this Pentecostal woman. Uh-huh. And I remember sitting down and saying to him, okay, you have this godly um woman who mm-hmm. loves you, who understands you, who uh, y- y- would be a phenomenal uh, Christian wife and leader. And you're, you're going to say no to her because you disagree about speaking in tongues? Right. Uh, I don't think that's, I mean, there's, there's a reason why, there's a reason why issues we call secondary are actually uh, secondary mm-hmm. uh, and not primary. Uh, so I would say in most cases, those things can be worked through. The yeah. only time that I would say that's not the case is when you're dealing with somebody for whom those secondary issues are primary or an identity issue. So mm-hmm. I would have a different reaction to that guy if what he said was, if what she said to him was, mm-hmm. um, in order to be my husband, you have to speak in tongues. Right. <laughs> uh, then I would say, well, you can't, you can't uh, either bind your conscience or manufacture something uh, right. up like that. Now, yeah. are there going to be practical sorts of questions sometimes that you have to answer. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like, um, are we going to have our uh, baby baptized or not? Yeah. Or uh, what what church are we going to go to? And who, who's going to, I've even known a couple that um, that had uh, two completely different sets of theological beliefs. This also was kind of a Presbyterian-ish and Pentecostal-ish couple, if I remember right, who just split the difference and they went to mm-hmm. an evangelical Methodist church that said, we <laughs> both had things that we could critique <laughs> about. So there are going to be some practical things that you mm-hmm. uh, have mm-hmm. to work out, but I've never seen in a mature, godly Christian relationship mm. those things unable to be worked out. And as a matter of fact, usually what happens is if you don't have the couple trying to argue one another down. Mm-hmm. So that would be the other thing. I mean, if the yeah. if the Pentecostal said, okay, I'm gonna marry her, but She'll be a Pentecostal by the time I get through with right, her right. or vice versa. Then I would say that's not a good place uh, mm-hmm. for a marriage. Usually, though, when you have people who are able to say, you know what, we can we can love each other and we can live through these secondary matters. A lot of times over time, they actually do come to mm-hmm. some sort of consensus, mm-hmm. maybe sometimes even a third uh, position that neither mm-hmm. of them had really uh, had really considered. So I I I would not. I mean, there are finding a godly, mature uh, Christian yeah. person, whether that's in a uh, love relationship or a friendship relationship or something else. Don't. Let, let, let's not silo yeah. ourselves off from right, right, right. <laughs> the way God works in that. This is, yes. So the listener, you can let us know when you pop the question and we'll we'll look forward to it. We'll give you a shout out. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, that would be fun, wouldn't it? If we had it that would. little feature of the podcast. Yeah. But um, our final question has to do with kind of this discrepancy between biblical knowledge on the one hand and biblical living. So, mm-hmm. you know, maybe we can even think about it in terms of the Sermon on the Mount 
as an example. But the question yeah. the the listener writes in to talk about what he calls the difference between Bible anity versus Christianity, um, and just this challenge of people who are experts and expositing in the Bible on the one hand, but don't seem to bear the fruit of the Spirit, nor resemble the value system evoked in the Sermon on the Mount. He writes, they're not practicing Christianity. They're practicing something less or something other, and he calls it Protestant Bible anity. So how what do we deal with that? You know, how do we both value the Bible and pay attention to the Bible, study the Bible, care for it, love it, protect it, and also become not so legalistically informed by it that our lives don't actually bear resemblance to the words of Scripture? Well, what I would say, first of all, is let's let's ditch that term (laughs) because it's it doesn't it doesn't work. And and here's why it doesn't work. Uh, Jesus puts no separation between himself and Mm -hmm. the Bible. He, mm-hmm. he does uh, when it comes to the temple, when it comes to the Sabbath, when it comes to all kinds of things, Jesus will. But he says, yeah. uh, he says the, the law and the prophets, I've come to fulfill them, not to destroy them. And all of yeah. them are pointing to me. So there's, yeah. there's no distinction between, um, b- between knowing Christ and knowing Christ the way he is revealed, which is in the Bible. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, so I would, I would find a, a different term for that because it, it can work even without the Bible. So it, right. imagine you have somebody, for instance, who signs up with following Jesus, maybe at the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, this mm-hmm. is this is the the sort of person that I want to follow. And mm-hmm. this person can go out and can quote uh, all of Jesus' statements, including ones that that you and I might not even know that mm-hmm. he said. Uh, but isn't internally changed and in relationship mm-hmm. with Christ. That's the mm-hmm. same phenomenon yeah. as somebody who uh, knows the Bible, but what they really know is information. Yeah. Um, and, and when you see that problem happening all throughout um, all throughout the New Testament, Paul's dealing with it repeatedly to say, if I, if I have all of the knowledge of all mysteries and I do not have love, mm-hmm. uh, you know, this, this is happening just repeatedly. And so mm-hmm. I think the main thing that we need, to, we need to ponder is that what it means to, what it means to come before God is to know Christ and to be found in him and to follow him. So that's not to know information about right. him. Yeah. We need to know information in order to know what Jesus, what, what, I mean, you, you need to have information mm-hmm. in order to know that, but that's not enough. And so you can have people who get, um, who sort of treat the Bible the way that, um, the way that some people treat physics or the way that other people treat fandom. I mean, mm-hmm. there, there are people who can tell you every detail of Harry Potter uh, mythology. Mm-hmm. And there are some people who do that, they can do that with the Bible, but they've, they don't actually know Christ. They don't actually mm-hmm. hear him speaking uh, in that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I would say there's not a lot you can do about the fact that that exists right? other than to know Jesus told you it would exist. <laughs> yeah. 
And not, not to new. let that, not that throw, it's not new. Don't let that throw you. But it, it does mean that you can be asking yourself, what am I really pursuing here? Mm-hmm. Am, am I pursuing uh, simply the, the map mm-hmm. <laughs> or am I actually in the territory? Do I, yeah. do I actually know Christ? So I think mm-hmm. you can address that with yourself um, it's very difficult to address that with anyone else other than to say, yes, that's that's possible and that happens. And that's why um, that's why I don't I, I don't conclude that the Sermon on the Mount is a failure because I see somebody who knows how to quote the Sermon on the Mount who doesn't know <laughs> how to live it. Right. You know, I you know, I'm struck with just the the idea of you know, welcoming someone to a meal, right? To experience the meal, yeah. to eat the meal, to help even prepare the meal is so much different than reading a recipe. Um, yeah. So maybe maybe we can even begin by welcoming people to the meal, right? Yeah. Going grocery shopping. And, you know, if we keep the metaphor going. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, and, yeah. And, and part of it is knowing, uh, knowing Christ and knowing that all of the Bible is is speaking to him and is summed up in him. Mm-hmm. And that even beyond that, that the Bible is the way that we hear the shepherd's voice. Jesus actually encounters us in the Bible, mm-hmm. 2 Corinthians 4. Mm-hmm. Uh, we see the glory of Christ uh, as we are in the pages of the Bible. So it's not just the uh, information it's it's you're you're wanting to mm-hmm. hear from him and mm-hmm. that's one of the reasons why um, one of the things that I I find myself doing all the time with people who are new believers is saying as you're reading the Bible don't just read the Bible in terms of let me find the sections that speak to me and that are relevant to me right now mm-hmm. sometimes you do that Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm going to look for a psalm that speaks to this particular thing. Mm-hmm. Instead, read, even when you're reading passages of, of Scripture that make no sense to you. You're in Leviticus and you think, I do not know what to do with this. You're in the last part of Exodus and you think, okay, we had this really dramatic story and now we're talking about uh, the decorations in a tent. What's going right. on? Uh, that, that, that still doing something to you Mm, mm -hmm. because Jesus is speaking to you. Uh, And so how often do you have when Jesus is speaking to his disciples personally in the New Testament, do they not have one idea what he's talking about? Uh, But that's, that word is nonetheless Mm -hmm. taking root and Mm -hmm. and doing something Mm -hmm. to you. And often what you're going to find out is that encountering Christ in his word is preparing you for something you will need later. Yeah. Uh, so that that then comes to mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've mm-hmm. found that in my own life, how often um, I've found myself doing things or thinking things or having an attitude that suddenly I think, oh, I recognize that. Yeah. That's, that's Saul. <laughs> or, uh, yeah. or, or, or that's, uh, that's Simon Peter mm-hmm. in that mm-hmm. moment of fear mm-hmm. or, or what have you. It, it comes to the surface mm-hmm. later. Or times when I've been tempted to say, 
uh, I just, it seems like God's gone. It seems like God's abandoned me. Psalm 22, mm. you know? So even if it's, it's something that you think this isn't relevant to me or I don't understand it, mm-hmm. Jesus is still speaking to you in, yeah. in that word. Keep listening. Mm-hmm. Mm. What a great, great conclusion to our Q&As. Um, thank you for for leaving us with hope and just reminding us that no matter our feelings or, you know, even when we see the brokenness around us, that God's word is living and active and his spirit is at work. Praise God. Well, Jesus we, loves me. This I know for the Bible tells yes, me so. That's still yes, true. Yes, yes, yes. Well, if you enjoyed this episode, we would love to, to have one of your questions on a further episode. So be sure to send those to us at questions at russellmore.com. Thanks so much, Russell. It's always a pleasure. Yeah, thanks, Ashley. The Russell Moore Show is a production of Christianity Today. Executive producers are Eric Petrick, Russell Moore, and Mike Cosper. Hosted by Russell Moore. Produced by Ashley Hales. Associate producers, Abby Perry and Azurae Phelps. CT administration provided by Christine Kolb. Social media by Kate Lucky. Director of operations for CT Media is Matt Stevens. Production assistance provided by Core Media. Audio engineer is Kevin Duthu. Coordinator is Beth Grabencourt. Video producer is John Rowland. The theme song for the Russell Moore Show is Dusty Delta Day by Lennon Hutton. This episode was brought to you in part by Wheaton College's M.A. in Humanitarian and Disaster Leadership, which prepares Christian professionals to serve others faithfully and excellently. Called to help people facing disasters, human trafficking, poverty, or displacement as refugees? Visit wheaton.edu hdl.